Hello, and welcome to Lesson 15 in our Biblical Womanhood series. We have been looking at Titus chapter 2 and the responsibility of the older women to teach and train and disciple the younger women. We learned in this passage that the older women are to be teaching the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet and chaste or pure. We're to be teaching them how to be good, effective workers at home. And in our last lesson, we looked at the instruction for the older women to teach the young women to be kind. We learned from Ephesians 4 that before we can truly put on kindness, as scripture tells us to, we must put off bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. We're to put away the former deeds of unkindness, Renew our minds with the truth and then put on kindness, a tender heart, and a readiness to forgive. It's important for us to teach the young women to express kindness in their words as well as their actions. And as Christian women, we should be known as kind women. We consider that our greatest motivation to show kindness, even unmerited kindness, is the example our Heavenly Father has shown us. He, through Christ, has extended to us infinite kindness, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness. Well, in this session, I'd like for us to turn our attention to the final thing the older sisters are to be teaching the younger ones. It's a subject, again, that's not very popular, not very politically correct, even in many Christian circles. Many women don't like the teaching on this subject. I'm going to address the dreaded S word that so many women have an aversion to. Sometimes that's because they are rebellious and simply don't want anyone telling them what to do. Sometimes it's because women have been greatly influenced by the feministic culture in which we live. But as women who name the name of Christ, it's vital that we bow to the authority of scripture. And many times I think women don't like teaching on submission because they don't understand biblical submission. It's been presented to them in a wrong way. Or maybe they've seen examples of overbearing authoritative leadership in the home, even abusive leadership in the home. And so they don't have a biblical view of submission. However, this negative reaction from Christian women, I think, is often because of a misunderstanding. And they need to realize, and we need to realize, and be able to teach the younger women that submission lived out God's way brings great blessing and peace and unity and harmony in the home. So let's turn once again to our text, Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Titus 2, 1 through 5. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, 
that the word of God may not be reviled. The world around us portrays an unscriptural, ungodly image of what a successful and fulfilled woman looks like. The modern American woman is independent, career-minded, and self-serving. She not only sees herself as equal to man, but very often believes that women are superior to men. Feminism has permeated every fiber of our North American culture. The ideology of feminism rejects God's role for women. So it's critical that we teach the younger women to learn to discern the false voices of the world and to embrace the beautiful roles that God has for them to fill. Submission so often is viewed as an outdated male, a remnant of an outdated male-dominated society. But we must remind ourselves and we must teach the young women that the Lord has called us to a much higher standard than the ever-changing views of the society of which we are a part. The Apostle Paul instructed Titus that the older women are to teach the younger women to be submissive or obedient to their own husbands. Now, the first thing I'd like to do is briefly explain what biblical submission is. In order to do that, I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bible to a very important passage of Scripture on this subject, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 20 to 24. Ephesians 5, 20 to 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the, sub the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, before I define submission, I want to be very clear that we can never truly submit to our husbands in a godly way or submit to any other authority as far as that goes unless we are first submitted to the Lordship of Christ. There's no way we can fulfill our biblical calling apart from His grace and help. Now, the word submit in verse 22 is a Greek military term. It means to rank or to line up underneath the command of a leader, not as a slave, but as someone who is protected and cared for. Now, does that mean that our homes should be run like military bases? Absolutely not. It means that the Christian husband is to lovingly lead his family, and the Christian wife is to joyfully submit to his headship, just as someone in the military submits to his commanding officer. The issue isn't about force or power. It isn't about who is more valuable. It is about structure and roles. This doesn't mean that a Christian wife is to be treated as a slave or as a child. Simply put, submit, to submit means to obey. You know, women often complain about being under authority in the home. But these same women are members of churches where they are not a pastor, they're not an elder. Many are employed by companies where they are not the employer or the CEO and they're citizens of a country where they are not a civil leader. They have no problem submitting to those authorities. So why do so many women resist God's structure of authority in the home? We're all under authority, everyone. 
And being under authority is a good thing. It's God's way. And when we pursue God's way, blessings always follow. Now, the first step in teaching the younger sisters to be under authority is to joyfully submit to your own husband. If we complain or we murmur about submitting to our husbands or we do it grudgingly or with a bad attitude, that surely will not set a proper example before the young women. So how do we submit to our own husbands in a way that glorifies God? Well, first we're told to submit as unto the Lord. Let's just walk through these three verses in Ephesians 5. First, we're told to submit to our own husbands. We are not commanded to submit to every man. Women are not under the authority of every man. We don't, couldn't obey every man in our lives, even if we wanted to, because sometimes they would contradict one another. We are commanded to submit to one man, our own husband. I don't have to seek to please your husband, and you aren't required to seek to please mine. Once a woman marries, she's no longer under the authority of her father. That means if her father asks her to do one thing and her husband desires that she do something else, she is to submit to her husband. We're instructed to submit to our own husbands as to the Lord. We're to obey as if the Lord himself were directing us. He's placed them in a place of authority in the home and he requires us to submit to that authority. So the Christian wife should submit to her husband just as she would submit to Christ, voluntarily, wholeheartedly, and cheerfully. I heard the story of a little boy who was disobeying his mother and she told him to sit down in the chair until she told him that he could get up. Well, he defiantly crossed his arms and refused to sit down. So she promptly spanked him and then told him again, now sit down in the chair. And the little boy with still a defiant attitude sat down and he looked at his mother and he said, well, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. That's not biblical submission. We are to obey our husbands with a right spirit in compliance with God's authority recognizing that as we obey and please our husbands, we are also obeying and pleasing the Lord. We must recognize that the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now, in the scriptures, head means ruler, the leader. Every family should have a head, and everyone in the family should be subordinate to that head. The Christian wife should honor reverence and obey her husband. 1 Corinthians 11.3 tells us, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. We have no objection to God the Father being the head of Christ. What, what about the man being the head of the woman? Does that mean that Jesus is of less value than the Father? Absolutely not. Christ possesses all the perfections of deity that God the Father possesses, but he willingly submitted himself to the will of his Father. Neither is this verse teaching that the woman is less significant than the man. She just has a different role to fill. God isn't teaching tyranny here. He's teaching that every family needs a head and a body, 
and the popular idea that makes the head and the body interchangeable just will not work. When you try to have two heads in one family, the result is always conflict. It's always contention. It's impossible to have consistent unity without a proper structure of authority. Christian marriage is to be a picture of Christ's relationship with his church. We need to keep that in mind. The Christian husband and wife should feel their roles working together for the sake of the kingdom of God. As we looked at the first three chapters of Genesis, we learned that the foundation in Genesis, the foundation in creation, is foundational to everything that we're learning since then about biblical womanhood. God's master plan for men to lovingly and, and sacrificially lead their families and lead the church of God, and for women to joyfully submit to the headship of their husbands in the home has never changed. That has remained the same throughout history, throughout different cultures, different times. And here in 1 Corinthians 11, as well as in the second chapter of 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul goes back to creation to explain why God has designed for women to have a subordinate role in the home and the church. It's because the man was formed first. The woman was made from the man and she was made for the man. The woman was deceived and she transgressed first. As the head of the home, the Christian man should provide for and care for his wife. And the Christian wife should honor and obey her husband from a principle of love. Secondly, as the church submits to Christ in everything, so wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, I can hear some of you saying, everything? Did I hear you right? Did you say everything? Dear sisters, I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. Verse 24 says that we are to be subject to our husbands in everything. That includes the way we manage affairs of the home, the way we spend the family income, the way we train the children in everything. Now, I, I must clarify here, the Christian wife is to submit to her husband in every lawful thing. As one commentator put it, the wife is to obey her husband in everything except that which re relates to conscience and religion. A husband has no right to ask his wife to do anything criminal or anything that would violate her conscience before God. It's wrong for a man to ask his wife to do something sinful or to forbid her to obey God in her religious duties. For example, a wife is not under obligation to obey her husband if he insists that she does not go to church or if he forbids her to teach the Bible to her children. In that case, we have a higher authority and we must obey God. If you find yourself in that type of situation, I would encourage you first, make sure it is truly a case of conscience. Search the scriptures and be certain that the Lord has plainly required you to do what you feel compelled to do. When your husband opposes what you feel is the right thing to do, re-examine the matter. Search the scriptures again Pray and seek the Lord about the matter and see if it's possible for you with a good conscience to do what he has asked.
if you are constrained to differ with your husband. He cannot see reason. He will not see it from the scriptures. And you must disagree with him and differ with him. Be sure that you do it with a spirit of gentleness and kindness. You should not reproach him or be contentious in your, convic in your conviction. Simply state your reasons and leave the rest to the Lord. And then after this, as Albert Barnes recommends, after all this is done, you should seek to be a better wife. You ought to make more effort to make your husband happy, demonstrating that the effect of your religion has made you to love him even more. I actually watched the Lord move in the heart of my father in this way when I was a teenage girl. I was very involved in my church, and my dad did not like the fact that I spent so much time at church. So he told me that he did not want me to attend church anymore. I didn't know much scripture. I wasn't sure what I should really do, so I thought I should obey my dad, but I didn't want to disobey God. So I went to my pastor, and I talked to him about it, and he counseled me that I should obey my dad, that I should do what he asked. And he encouraged me, as you stay home from church for a season, be sure that you show your dad great respect and honor, that you don't sulk and whine and complain. He told me to be kind to my dad, to be obedient with a good spirit, and to pray fervently that God would change his heart. Well, I did everything that he advised me to do. I served and loved my father and sought to show him honor. I cried out to the Lord to change his heart and my church family was praying as well. Perhaps it wasn't the best counsel for me to stay away from church, but that's what my pastor thought was best and that's what I did. And the Lord heard our prayers and he answered. After just missing two weeks of church, my father came to me. I didn't go to him. I didn't make an appeal, but he came to me and he said, okay, okay, you can go back to church again. And he never asked me to miss church again. Now, the Lord doesn't always move in that way, but my point is that he knows our hearts and it pleases him for us to express love and respect to those who are in authority over us. Another exception I want to make clear is I don't believe this passage of scripture is teaching that a wife must stay in a situation where she or her children are being abused by a cruel husband and father. Other than these few exceptions though, Christian wives should be subject to their husbands just as the church is subject to Christ. How is the church submitted to the authority of Christ? Well, she submitted to him in humility in loyalty and cheerfulness, and we are to submit to the authority of our husbands with these same attitudes. Some ladies teach that you don't need to submit to your husbands unless you agree with him, but that's ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense because if you're in complete agreement, then submission isn't necessary. No one needs to submit to the other. Other sisters will say, well, I'm afraid if I submit, my husband will make mistakes. Well, of course he will. He's human. And do you think if you were in the place of authority that you would never make an error in judgment? 
choose when your husband does make mistakes, as he will, as we all do, take those opportunities to choose not to focus on your husband's mistakes, but rather focus on what the Lord wants to teach you through his mistakes. God uses even the things that we see as failures. And so often, things that we think are mistakes or failures, the Lord doesn't view that way at all. I once had a friend whose husband bought a brand new vehicle that she knew they could not afford. She pled with him not to buy it, but he refused to listen to reason and he purchased it anyway. They only had the car for a short time when the bank came and repossessed it because they couldn't make the payments. My friend became so upset at her husband. She said she called him names. She humiliated him. She, she said things like, how could you be so foolish? I knew this would happen. Didn't I tell you that we couldn't afford that car, but you had to have it, and now look at the mess we're in. Well, do you think that attitude helped the situation at all? Certainly not. He only retorted back in anger. He was already humiliated. He knew he had acted irresponsibly. He knew he had made a terrible mistake. And her demeaning words and attitude only served to further shame him and exasperate him. And when it was all over and the incident had passed, my friend regretted the way she had responded and the damage that had resulted in their marriage. Now, what would have been a better response? She could have recognized at that point that there was no way to change what had happened. She could have chosen to forgive her husband and extend grace to him. She could have encouraged him rather than belittled him. She could have said things like, honey, it will be okay. We all make mistakes and we have to trust the Lord to teach us and strengthen our faith through this temporary trial. And rather than weakening their marriage, that type of reaction would have served to strengthen it and more importantly, to bring glory to God. Sisters, allow your husband to fail without fear of you saying, I told you so. Don't nag him. Allow him to lead your family, to lead you without fear of being a failure in your eyes. He will fail at times, but God may use your godly submission to drive him to seek the Lord for guidance and for wisdom. Choose to be your husband's greatest encourager and supporter. Don't let another woman take that position. Work to make your husband successful. Help him to become all that God wants him to be. That's what being a helpmeet is all about. And lastly, cast yourself on the Lord Jesus. James 4, 6 promises that if we will humble ourselves, God will pour out his grace on us. He knows how weak and how frail we are Cry out to him, and he will give you the grace to joyfully submit to your husband as you should. Your husband is to be your leader and your head, and you are called to come under the protection of his authority as a submissive helper. This is such an important subject that I've decided to have one more lesson on this topic. We were only able to really cover the responsibilities of submission in this session, so next time, I want us to consider the tremendous blessings that accompany humble, joyful submission to authorities. As 
we will be wrapping up our study in Titus 2. I hope you single ladies will stay with me because this not only applies to submission and marriage, but the proper response to any God-delegated authority. I pray that the Lord will be glorified in our marriages and our homes as we seek to walk in obedience to him by walking in submission to our husbands. May he strengthen, encourage, and bless each of you as you endeavor to fill your biblical role as a Christian woman with joy and delight. Thank you.